Chapter forty of Lost Man's Lane by Anna Catherine Green. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Explanations. The hour we all spent together late that night in the old house was unlike any hour which that place had seen for years. Mr. Ostrander, Lucetta, Laureen, William, Mr. Grice, and myself all were there and as an especial grace saracen was allowed to enter that there might not be a cloud upon a single face there assembled though it is a small matter i will add that this dog persisted in lying down by my side not yielding even to the wiles of his master whose amusement over this fact kept him good-natured to the last adieu there were too few candles in the house to make it bright but Lucetta's unearthly beauty, the peace in Laureen's soft eyes, made us forget the sombreness of our surroundings and the meagreness of the entertainment Hannah attempted to offer us. It was the promise of coming joy, and when our two guests departed, I bade good-night to the girls in their grim upper hall, it was with feelings which found their best expression in the two letters i hastened to write as soon as i gained the refuge of my own apartment i will admit you sufficiently into my confidence to let you read those letters the first of them ran thus dear olive to make others happy is the best way to forget our own misfortunes a sudden wedding is to take place in this house Order at once for me from the shops you know me to be in the habit of patronising, a wedding gown of dainty white taffeta. I did this not to recall too painfully to herself the wedding dress I helped her buy, and which was, as you may remember, of creamy satin, with chiffon trimmings and a wedding veil of tulle. Add to this a dress suitable for ocean travel, and a half-dozen costumes adapted to a southern climate. Let everything be suitable for a delicate but spirited girl who has seen trouble, but who is going to be happy now if a little attention and money can make her so. Do not spare expense, yet show no extravagance, for she is a shy bird, easily frightened. The measurements you will find enclosed also those of another young lady her sister who must also be supplied with a white dress the material of which however had better be of crepe all these things must be here by wednesday evening my own best dress included on saturday evening you may look for my return i shall bring the latter young lady with me so your present loneliness will be forgotten in the pleasure of entertaining an agreeable guest faithfully yours amelia butterworth the second letter was a longer and more important one it was directed to the president of the company which had proposed to send mr ostrander to south america in it i related enough of the circumstances which had kept mr ostrander in x to interest him in the young couple personally and then I told him that if he would forgive Mr. Ostrander this delay and allow him to sail with his young bride by the next steamer, 
I myself would undertake to advance whatever sums might have been lost by this change of arrangement. I did not know then that Mr. Grice had already made this matter good with this same gentleman. The next morning we all took a walk in the lane. I say nothing about the night. If I did not choose to sleep, or if I had any cause not to feel quite as elevated in spirit as the young people about me, there is surely no reason why I should dwell upon it with you, or even apologise for a weakness which you will regard, I hope, as an exception setting off my customary strength. Now a walk in this lane was an event. To feel at liberty to stroll among its shadows without fear, to know that the danger had been so located that we all felt free to inhale the autumn air and to enjoy the beauties of the place without a thought of peril lurking in its sweetest nooks and most attractive coverts, gave to this short half-hour a distinctive delight aptly expressed by Lorene when she said, I never knew the place was so beautiful. Why, I think I can be happy here now. At which Lucetta grew pensive, till I roused her by saying, So much for a constitutional girls. Now we must to work. This house, as you see it now, has to be prepared for a wedding. William, your business will be to see that these grounds are put in as good order as possible in the short time allotted to you. I will bear the expense. And Lorene, but William had a word to say for himself. Miss Butterworth, said he, you're a right good sort of woman, as Saracen has found out, and we too, in these last few plaguey days. But I'm not such a bad lot either, and if I do like my own way, which may not be other people's way, and if I am sometimes short with the girls for some of their damned nonsense, I have a little decency about me too, and I promise to fix these grounds, and out of my own money too. Now that nine-tenths of our income does not have to go abroad, we'll have chink enough to let us live in a respectable manner once more, in a place where one horse, if he's good enough, will give a fellow a standing, and make him the envy of those who, for some other pesky reasons, may think themselves called upon to fight shy of him. I don't begrudge the old place a few dollars, especially as I mean to live and die in it. So look out, you three women folks, and work as lively as you can on the inside of the old rookery, or the slickness of the outside will put you to open shame, and that would never please Lorene, nor, as I take it, Miss Butterworth either. It was a challenge we were glad to accept, especially as from the number of persons we now saw come flocking into the lane, it was very apparent that we should experience no further difficulty in obtaining any help we might need to carry out our undertakings. Meantime, my thoughts were not altogether concentrated upon these pleasing plans for Lucetta's benefit. There were certain points yet to be made clear in the matter just terminated, and there was a confession for me to make, without which I could not face Mr. Grice with all that unwavering composure which our peculiar relations seemed to demand. The explanations came first. They were volunteered by Mr. Grice, 
whom I met in the course of the morning at Mother Jane's cottage. That old crone had been perfectly happy all night, sleeping with the coin in her hand, and waking to again devour it with her greedy but loving eyes. As I was alternately watching her and Mr. Grice, who was directing with his hand the movements of the men, who had come to smooth down her garden and make it presentable again, the detective spoke. "'I suppose you have found it difficult, in the light of these new discoveries, to explain to yourself how Mother Jane happened to have those trinkets from the peddler's pack, and also how the ring, which you very naturally thought must have been entrusted to the dove by Mr. Chittenden himself, came to be about its neck when it flew home that day of Mr. Chittenden's disappearance. Madam, we think old Mother Jane must have helped herself out of the peddler's pack before it was found in the woods there back of her hut. And of the other matter, our explanation is this. One day a young man, equipped for travelling, paused for a glass of water at the famous well in Mr. Trome's garden, just as Mother Jane's pigeons were picking up the corn scattered for them by the former, whose tastes are not confined to the cultivation of fruits and flowers, but extend to dumb animals, to whom he is uniformly kind. The young man wore a ring, and being nervous, was fiddling with it as he talked to the pleasant old gentleman, who was lowering the bucket for him. As he fiddled with it, the earth fell from under him, and as the daylight vanished above his head, the ring flew from his upthrown hand, and lay the only token of his now blotted-out existence upon the emerald sward he had but a moment before pressed with his unsuspicious feet. It burned, this ruby burned like a drop of blood in the grass, when that demon came again to his senses, and being a tell-tale evidence of crime in the eyes of one who had allowed nothing to ever speak against him in these matters, he stared at it as at a deadly thing directed against himself, and to be got rid of at once, and by means which by no possibility could recoil back upon himself as its author. The pigeons, stalking near, offered to his abnormally acute understanding the only solution which would leave him absolutely devoid of fear. He might have swung open the lid of the well once more, and flung it after its owner, but this meant an aftermath of experience from which he shrank, his delight being in the thought that the victims he saw vanish before his eyes were so many encumbrances wiped off the face of the earth by a sweep of the hand. To see or hear them again would be destructive of this notion. He preferred the subtler way, and to take advantage of old Mother Jane's characteristics, so he caught one of the pigeons, he has always been able to lure birds into his hands, and tying the ring around the neck of the bird with a blade of grass plucked up from the highway, he let it fly, and so was rid of the bauble, which to Mother Jane's eyes, of course, was a direct gift from the heavens through which the bird had flown before lighting on her doorstep. Wonderful, I exclaimed, almost overwhelmed with humiliation, but preserving a brave front. What invention and what audacity!
audacity the invention and the audacity of a man totally irresponsible for his deeds was it not i asked there is no doubt is there about his being an absolute maniac no madam what a relief i felt at that word since we entrapped him yesterday and he found himself fully discovered he has lost all grip upon himself and fills the room we put him in with the unmistakable ravings of a madman it was through these i learned the facts i have just mentioned i drew a deep breath we were standing in the sight of several men and their presence there seemed intolerable unconsciously i began to walk away unconsciously mr gryce followed me at the end of several paces we both stopped we were no longer visible to the crowd and i felt i could speak the words i had been burning to say ever since i saw the true nature of mr trome's character exposed mr gryce said i flushing scarlet which i here solemnly declare is something which has not happened to me before in years and if i can help it shall never happen to me again i am interested in what you say because yesterday at his own gateway mr trome proposed to me and you did not accept him no what do you think i am made of mr gryce i did not accept him but i made the refusal a gentle one and this is not easy work mr gryce i interrupted myself to say with suitable grimness the same thing took place between me and deacon spear and to him i gave a response such as i thought his presumption warranted the discrimination does not argue well for my astuteness mr gryce you see i crave no credit that i do not deserve perhaps you cannot understand that but it is a part of my nature madam said he and i must own i thought his conduct perfect had i not been as completely deceived as yourself i might find words of criticism for this possibly unprofessional partiality but when an old hand like myself can listen to the insinuations of a maniac and repose as i must say i did repose more or less confidence in the statements he chose to make me and which were true enough as to the facts he mentioned but wickedly false and preposterously wrong in suggestion i can have no words of blame for a woman who whatever her understanding and whatever her experience necessarily has seen less of human nature and its incalculable surprises as to the more delicate matter you have been good enough to confide to me madam i have but one remark to make with such an example of womanhood suddenly brought to their notice in such a wild as this how could you expect them sane or insane to do otherwise than they did i know many a worthy man who would like to follow their example and with a bow that left me speechless mr gryce laid his hand on his heart and softly withdrew 
End of chapter 40